So uh, this is the third in a series talking about following the way of Jesus. And I'd like to start just by saying that, let's be really clear about this, that our way is countercultural, particularly in this country. And it's not just that we believe a story, we believe a person, we do believe that, but it's more than that, isn't it? Because we're talking about a way of life. We, as disciples, are listening. I'm sure we could listen better, I certainly could. But we are listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit guides us, as Jesus promises. And this is every moment. And we need to also earth that into the life we lead, because this is not just Sunday morning lifestyle, it's an everyday lifestyle. And we all have many people, many friends, who are different to us, but humankind is rich, isn't it? With passions and friendships and views. And it's really interesting to therefore reflect for a moment on the way of Jesus, the way we follow. This is one of the I am sayings. Uh, the I am sayings are very useful and they are, they are a three-part saying because there's a description that Jesus gives, then an action from us, which is usually believe or follow, and then a consequence. So today, in a minute, we're going to look at the third, the, the I am saying, I am the light of the world. And we'll just rehearse that now. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. So light, action following, consequence, have the light of life. Just before we actually engage in this passage, I'm going to do a quick bit of revision. Just keep it on your toes. There are seven I am sayings, and we're going to just rehearse them now. So you've got this list. They're very useful. The I am sayings are wonderful sayings in John. They're great they're great foundations of faith. I was talking to an athlete. I look after some athletes. This athlete is in the Great Britain handball team. She lives in Bosnia, and she's 18. And she said over Skype, she said, Nigel, I want to work one things. Well, one help is I want to engage with my faith again. Her father and mother are missionaries. When she was in this country, she had a good uh, fellowship. But in Bosnia, she's not got that fellowship. And she said to me, age 18, I can't get in touch with God. And I said, well, I will think about that for you. But one of the things I said to her, I sent her the list of the I am sayings. I said, look at these sayings, believe them, and see the fruit that will happen. So we're just going to do the I am saying, just a revision. That all right? Good, excellent. Okay, so, first number, 635. First one is... Bread. I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Action. Believe in me. You will never go hungry. That's the first one. Second one, 812, is I am the light of the world. Splendid. Okay, good. He who follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's go down to now 10.9. I am the... That's 11.14. Nine is, nine is gate. Thank you very much indeed for playing. Excellent, excellent. Okay, 10.9 is I am the gate. I am the gate. He who enters me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. That's 10.9. Wonderful picture. Jesus, be saved through him. Come in for sanctuary and go out to find pasture. Go out to work. 24-7. Jesus, I am the gate. Then 10.11 or 14, I am the good shepherd. We just had that one. I am the good shepherd. Know me and there is one flock. That's the, that's the fourth I am saying. Number 11.25. 11.25 is I am the... Resurrection, thank you. Okay, believe in me and you will live. So I am the resurrection, believe in me and you will live. 14.6, I am the 
way, the truth, and the life. They all said in one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Believe in me, and you will meet the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then the fifth, the last one, beautiful one. I am the, in 15, 15, 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Remain in me, remain in Jesus. We will bear fruit. So I will just commend those. Um, that's that's six thirty five, eight twelve, ten nine, ten fourteen, eleven twenty five, fourteen six, fifteen five. That's for the recording. But look those up there, great resource. Anyway, today we are looking now at I am the light of the world, the light of life. And it's good to reflect first of all what he means by that. Because the people there listening to him will be very familiar with the concept of light and darkness. They were living in a world without street lights and home lights and electricity and torches and things. So they would get used to a lifestyle where at some time, and often quite quickly in that part of the part of the world, when dust comes, it comes. And you find within half an hour you're changing from a, a life where, where you can see all around you to often quite gloomy, you're gloomy, you might end up sitting around campfires telling stories. That's why the oral tradition was so important in that time because they were used to spend their evenings talking together sharing thoughts together so the idea of physical darkness would be real to them I don't think that uh, Jesus is, is saying that we won't have that indeed the Psalms Psalm 139 gives us some teaching on this because Psalm 139 says surely the darkness will hide me and the light become light around me says the writer then it goes on but even the darkness will not be dark to you the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So there's something here about light having this divine meaning. We talk about it, don't we? We have phrases where we shed light on a situation. We light the way. We see the light. And there's something here, isn't there, that Jesus is talking about. I am the light of the world. I am the light of life. Whoever follows me will not be in darkness. And then the rest of the passage that I was set for today uh, really talks about, I want to draw out two things. I want to draw out the contrast between the human aspect of life that we're talking about and the divine perspective that Jesus is teaching. I also want to look at two eras because we are hearing about the era then and also I want to reflect on our era now. How do we use this as part of the way we are following the way of Jesus Christ? So then we read in John's Gospel that the Pharisees and the Jews were opposed to him. You have a whole sequence of dispute. They can't get it. And they are opposed to him. They're opposed to what he's saying. Now, well... We're living in a very secular world. A society that has discarded its Christian foundations. Some talk about this as the post-Christendom era. We live in a world where there are aggressive, there are aggressive secularists like Dawkins. Not many, actually, I don't think. From my workplace, I believe there are very few convinced atheists when the chips are down. I've got a friend of mine who's an army padre who says there are no atheists, Nigel, on the battlefield. But there are some aggressive atheists and they're quite difficult to listen to because they're passionate and don't listen to reason. But also the third thing about our era now 
is that there is a loss of heart or motivation. One of the problems is something called acedia. Acedia, which is a loss of motivation, a sort of lack of spiritual self-discipline, a spiritual carelessness in many, many people. And this is important to name, because actually it's a rich area of spiritual attack. Because unless we're aware of this, then distractions can come in, addictions can come in. So, that's the era now. Secular world, a few aggressive secularists, and then this loss of uh, motivation. Spiritual carelessness. So let's go back to that time then and see what happens. Well, we have the Pharisees, first of all, saying, testimony, you need two witnesses. And Jesus replies, divine argument, yes, there's me and my father. Anyway, where is your father? Say the Pharisees. And Jesus says, know me, know my father. What are you doing? Will he kill himself? Who are you? Say the Pharisees. And Jesus is saying to them, think differently. You are thinking like people below. I am talking about things above. I'm talking about the divine plan. I'm talking about the plan God my Father divined and decided for the world he created. You are desmired in humanness below. So that was then. What about now? Well, I think that it's a very interesting era. And one of the questions that I am asking more and more is that why is it Why is it that people don't believe? What's going on? Because it seems to me that there is so much evidence for the truth of Jesus Christ. If you look at the traditional way it's divided up, the scripture, traditional reason and experience. And our experience is the value of testimony, others, God's story, but also our own experience. Sometimes it's very good to major on experience and to remember those times when, either in a time of worship, maybe this morning for some, or a time on your own, wherever you are, where you experience suddenly acutely the presence of God. And remember that time, because that gives a joy which isn't there all the time. I've been talking to uh, a student friend, Jodie. She went to Malawi with me last year, and she is having a remarkable new faith, a remarkable witness with her parents. She preached on Easter Day, and her father, a tree surgeon, came to faith that day. She went home a few weeks later, and her father had a, a sore and swollen knee, and Jodie said in her wonderful naivety, exuberance, I'm going to pray for you. And, and um, her father said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, I'll tell you what. Jody said, I'll pray for you. And if your knee gets better, you've got to say it was Jesus. Her dad said, yes. Jody prayed, the knee got better. And so her dad is now testifying around his family about the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, I saw her last week because she was very spiritually tired. And we talked together and I said, look, hang on, be gentle with yourself. The Lord is using you mightily. He won't go on using you like that all the time because you'll blow up. You need time where you can go away and rest and be refilled yourself. So I said to her, just go back and remember those times with all humility, but remember the presence of God there. That's experience which is gold, a resource for you. 
so experienced. So let's go back to the question I was asking. Why is it that people don't believe? Because we have got this, this body of evidence, scripture, tradition, reason and experience. And it's a really important question to ask ourselves because I think again there is complacency. There is this, why should I now? Do I need to do now? But also there are people who are hurt. There are people who have been hurt by church. I have a distinction quite often in my work between talking about faith in Jesus Christ and church and regulation. And we must be really aware of that. What is the answer? Well, of course, it is then to tell the Jesus story, as we're doing, as we've done this morning. Amazing service here. So my final contrast between then and now is just to look at what happened then, hence the reason just to go on with, the, with, the, with just a little bit more of the gospel in our reading. Because then, with them, Jesus looks ahead and he says to them, okay, you don't get it now, but when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know. Surely referring to his crucifixion and all that follows afterwards. Crucifixion, resurrection, ascension and Pentecost. So Jesus says to them then, okay, you don't get it now, but when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know. I'm reminded of the centurion Do you remember the centurion when he saw the things that happened when Jesus died on that first Good Friday? It's an amazing moment where the centurion, this hardened Roman soldier, said, surely this man was the Son of God. To that, what happened then? Well, what happens now? What is happening now, 2,000 years later? How do we see this? How do we see this on the way? Well, let's first of all remember the great cloud of witnesses. The people sent to encourage us, we encourage in turn. I believe passionately in spiritual encouragement, partly because I know that when I've been completely flattened, other people, often strangers, have come up to me and given me a word, or a prayer, or a smile, to encourage me. So we've got this great cloud of witnesses to encourage us, Light of the world. I am the light of the world. The light of life. Follow me. We tell the story. We tell the story. We tell the story. Jesus Christ is the one truth in the world full of uncertainties. That saying happens in every age. It's certainly applying now, isn't it? In our country and in the world. So we must go on telling. People who ask questions about Jesus are also... That's a statement of faith, isn't it? Because they wouldn't ask questions about someone who didn't exist. So even questions, for me, I started saying, great, okay, let's build on that. I'm going to end this talk about the light of the world with two pictures. One has happened this morning. It's quite interesting, isn't it? That here we have breadcrumbs, a lot of breadcrumbs down here for communion. Now, there are some who might be offended by that. I'm not, and this came to me during the worship. It just tells us that Jesus is present in every single circumstance. When I worked in A&E, sometimes it was very moving in the middle of a big recess when somebody had died uh, or was struggling to save their life and there were all sorts of carnage about the place to have the chaplain come in, formally dressed with a stole to anoint this body. It was a fantastic picture that God was there. Everybody saw in that mess. 
So here is first, Jesus is fully engaged in every aspect of our lives. He's not somebody hidden away for special occasions. He's fully engaged. He knows he's with us. As we follow him, as we seek to follow him, follow the way, we don't do it alone. Because Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God, please help. Good prayer. And finally, I want us to come back to that picture, the home and the hunt. We won't show it again because you've seen it earlier. But it is the most amazing picture and the most mind-blowing concept, I think. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. I'm knocking. I'm always knocking. And it's a verse that when people come to faith, yes, it's a good verse. I was given that verse when I made my first declaration of faith aged 11 or 12 in a script union camp in Landidno. I went for the go-go-karting, but um, found that verse. Here I am. But I believe that verse applies to us all, all the time. It's fantastic to imagine that Jesus is there. And at a time when 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 it's tough, when the way is tough, this promise that you can open the door. He's there, always there. Open the door. I will come in. I sometimes imagine what that moment Jesus comes and sits down at our table, takes our hand in his. I'll eat with you. Let's chat. Tell me your problems. I am with you always to the end of the age. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life.